0: From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company.
1: All right, here we go. Tuesday, Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez is here. He is the company. It's hockey day in Las Vegas. We're live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Check that. Ari is here. Willie will be heading down to the Fortress in just a little bit, but the uh, the peg is in town. So we'll see if VGK can get off to a good start in this series. Wasn't so easy last night for some other favorites. We'll get to that as the hour moves along. A lot of hockey today. Darren Millard will join us later this hour.
2: So what's up, Willie? Looking dapper? Just uh, gearing up for a start of a postseason that i a had. long playoff run well it hasn't been haven't been to the postseason in, in two years yes i know, mean it's just, the drought it's, it's crazy it's I mean, been tough finally getting back to it it's been tough you feel like jack eichel huh <laughs> yes yes who's never played
1: in the well postseason, i've been or, to pro- i've been to
2: more post uh, than jack eichel or, so
1: or should we act like we're sacramento when it comes i've been to, to a basketball. stanley
2: cup final yeah it should be good it should be exciting I, I i'm excited just for the fact that uh you know this is the time of year in hockey where everybody makes their assumptions about teams and matchups and and there's no guarantees in any matchup in the NHL I don't care who you are what the team looks like how dominating and that includes the Almighty Boston Bruins there is no guarantees and I
1: mean when's the last time the, the best team in the regular season won
2: Chicago Blackhawks I believe 2012
1: I think it was 14 14. that's what uh, Keishan was saying this morning I'll yeah. believe him
2: 14. 12-14, same thing. It's that long. Long ago. time. Yes. Long time. So yeah. the
1: Bruins are trying to break that weird, it's not a jinx, but just weird trend. Because they were awesome this year. Uh, some other stuff going on around the world of sports. Uh, we're tracking the Las Vegas Phillies because of Bryson Stott. Who's out to an awesome start to the season. He's 2-4 for four today in game 1 of a doubleheader, so he's now hitting three eighty seven. Really good start. Really good start, and I think a lot of us were hoping that he would turn into that next level shortstop. You know, the kind of guys who just got all those big deals in the offseason. You know, twenty-five to thirty-five million dollars. Uh, he's moving in a good direction. This is the way to start off the season.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of nice to see the consistency, obviously, that he deserves um in the lineup last year. He he started things off under Joe Girardi, fell off a little bit. He he got a couple of hits in two games over the first four outings and, and he showed a little bit of you know, a little bit of punch. And then, of course, late in the season for the World Series run looked great. And now he's just stepped it up. Now, you know, nobody saw – I don't think anybody saw this hitting streak coming. But it was, it was the first – I was paying attention the first week and then the first 10 days and then the first 10 games. And it was like he had the high – he was hitting above 400. He was just the number one hitter on the Philadelphia Phillies. And just continue this. And now you suddenly look up. Streaks at 17. Franchise record. Longest hitting streak to start a season for the Philadelphia Phillies. So good for him. Uh, they had a slow start to get out of the uh, – to, to, to start the season. They started in Texas, got bombed a little bit, went to New York. Yankees dealt it, but they came around and – all together, uh, for Bryson, it's, it's as you said, it's a, it's a great start and good for him because he deserves it. And this is a kid that works 12 months a year. I mean, he'll go on vacation here or there. He's best friends with Bryce Harper. They, they you know, they'll take vacations together. together. But when I say vacation, a couple of weeks here or there. But he's always working, always in the lab.
1: NBA last night, I made one of those bets I love to make. I win either way. So I had money line in the middle of the game on the Golden State Warriors. They flopped. So I lose, but I win. They're down 2 nothing, And they've got their powder keg shaking in fury, ready to explode again in Draymond Green. But 114-106, another big game in Sacramento. We just mentioned them earlier. They hadn't been to the playoffs in 17 years, so now they're 2-0 and out of the gates. I'm hearing a lot of trash talk from uh, mostly GSW fans and some media people who I think are playing into the bit. I'd be a little bit worried. I'd be a little bit worried. This uh, This cockiness that as teams get older, they can just flip the switch. Now, they do have young guys. They tried to intertwine them all year long, but last night the young guys weren't real good in picking up the three big you know scorers on the team, and they continue to get pounded on the boards. And now we'll see what happens. We got any kind of update? Can we do a Draymond Green search now? I haven't seen anything.
2: I haven't we seen have any anything.
1: sort of this action coming down on Draymond Green, so let's get into this early and often in the show. This is a classic Draymond Green move where he presents a story where he had no other option to do but what he did. We have seen this throughout the history of the NBA playoffs, right? The league can be heavy-handed with suspensions when it comes to physicality. I mean, there is a list of crazy situations over the years, but if you didn't see it, Demonte Sabonis got knocked to the floor. Draymond Green's right leg was around... Sabonis' arms. For some reason, Sabonis reached up and kind of clutched onto his right leg. When Draymond Green got it free, he decided to take a stomp and a step on Monte Sabonis. Sabonis then went full soccer player on the ground, was writhing in pain. Maybe he wasn't a lot of pain. I don't know, but Draymond Green was ready when he came into the press room. He had his excuse, his explanation.
3: My leg got grabbed second time in two nights referees just watch it. I gotta land my foot somewhere. And I'm not the most flexible person, so it's not stretching that far. I, I can only step so far and pulling my leg away is what it is.
1: There you go, is what it is. Right? We call him Dr. Dre because he's the master of kinesiology. Another example here of how the body moves and flexes. He's not flexible enough to move his leg forward and take a big step. Maybe he would have gotten hurt that way, but he did get his leg loose. He did go out of his way to stomp And step. And now it's up to the NBA because the excuse of my leg got grabbed. All right, well, then why didn't you step back and kick him in the face? That would be a better angle to launch forward. Um, If guys have their arms grabbed, why not take the other arm and swing around, right? And punch them to get free. There's, There's a line, and every NBA tough guy enforcer has to walk this line, right? It helps their team. It helps intimidate the other team. But there is a line. Did he cross the line? Does he get docked a game?
2: Uh, he asked if there was breaking, and apparently Sham, Charnia, has come out. He said, I'm told it's trending unlikely that Draymond Green will be suspended for Game 3. I think that leg wrap is really the difference between a suspension and a fine. So it doesn't sound like it. Um, so I, I, I'm all over the place with this one. Um Yes, Sabonis grabbed his leg as you mentioned because I'm hearing everybody said how can you say how can you defend Draymond and say it wasn't a stomp he reared back well you just got done saying that when he grabbed his he pulled away so as he pulled away and you're in full speed full motion of go to go to the opposite direction well your foot's got what goes up's got to come down so if he yanked it up did he yank it up to stomp on him or did he yank it up to pull it out of Sabonis' arms Because you just said, he once he got his foot free, that means that he had to pull it to get it free. So, that's telling me that he did not rear back to stomp, he reared back to get his foot free. Then he had to put his foot down. And he said he couldn't stretch and reach. Now, did he need to put all of his pressure and stomp straight down? No. There's the problem. But, he's got the perfect excuse because, yes, he couldn't reach that far and risk Twisting an ankle, tearing an Achilles, twisting his knee, whatever it is that he wants to come up with. He's not that flexible enough to step past. That tells me that he's not one of the best athletes in the world. So he's probably not one of the better uh, toned athletes in the NBA because he's not flexible enough to step over a body. But he did have to rear back to pull his foot free, which means that he did not rear back to stomp. He reared back to to free his foot. And then when he came down, it happened to land on Sabonis. Just happens to be Draymond that you got a little bit of history. So, you're probably looking at a fine. I'm all over the place with it, honestly, because he's got the perfect excuse. And the fact of the matter is, it's not the first time that he grabbed his his leg. Right? He said it. So, what are you supposed to do? Both ends of it.
0: Keep it locked on ESPN Las Vegas for your chance to win tickets to the Battle for Vegas charity softball game. Saturday, July 22nd at the LV Ballpark. Tickets available for purchase at battleforvegas.com.
3: What are two or three things that you're most excited to find out about this league over the next month and a half, two months? What we've seen consistently for the last roughly two decades is incredible competitive balance. I don't think our competitive balance is matched by any other sport, and making the playoffs is tough, and once you get in it, there's nothing like our playoffs, particularly the first round. They're exciting, they're entertaining, they're competitive. We get more six- and seven-game series than the other leagues do in their playoffs, so it's just a wonderful time to be excited, to be passionate, and to be entertained.
0: You're listening to Cofield & Company.
3: On ESPN Las Vegas.
1: No one pitches the game of hockey like Gary Bettman. He made an appearance this morning on the ESPN National Morning Show. I say that a little tongue-in-cheek, but I also believe that, uh, well, one, Bettman is a bore. um, But if you know how to interview someone, maybe do a little research. It was a weird interview this morning, I thought, with uh, with KJM. Um, I'll, I'll get to the angle that I, I I think they kept getting back to, which was annoying as someone who lives in Las Vegas, but what did you think of the interview?
2: I thought that they were very... Um, I remember last year at this time when Jay Williams was invited, and I, I want to say it was a Rangers game, and it was his first ever game that he'd ever went to, and it was a playoff game, right? and he was enamored by it. I love that. I love that angle. Okay, but... I don't think that he's watched a hockey game since. So it comes across. You're right, especially when you cover a hockey team, you wouldn't. Some may not know any better, but it definitely comes across like it's, it's, it's a show where they, you know, that the, all they talk about is football and basketball. They don't really. Maybe they touch on baseball now. They just started. Max is a, you know, I think a Yankee fan, but outside of that, Keyshawn's a Dodger fan. So they talk, but they, you know, but outside of that. They don't talk hockey, and you could tell it because the questions are very green, yes. That's I
1: Well mean, the angles were what happens if Boston doesn't win the cup? Then they then they don't win the cup. And I will tell this you. Isn't, this isn't if Boston had been if Boston was coming in as like a three time champ, you know, it's like a warrior situation, and then Boston gets knocked out in the first round, I I guess there's something to it. But Bettman said it on the way back. The sport is as much about balance as anything else that a dozen plus cities going to the playoffs. We saw St. Louis, you know, a few years back, wasn't very good at the, you know the midpoint of the season and made a run and won the cup. That's what this sport is. There is no dominant team. Uh, they got into good angles, I thought, on dominant players. I cut you off. What were you gonna say?
2: I'm looking for it right now. I. It's funny because they brought up the Bruins. They brought up Connor McDavid. They brought they brought up several. What's funny is the NHL sends over to the media topics in which you could flesh out if you want or you could use in your in your copy it, it's basically tidbits it's it's you know last time the president what is the president's cup what would it mean if Connor McDavid when's the last time the a player with 150 more points it almost sounds like they received that and that's what they reviewed uh, that okay. was another thing the NHL puts it out they put out every day they put out the NHL morning skate which is just a, you know it's a it's a morning edition of sort of like a press release for that morning. It it recaps what took place the night before, and it tells you what took place or what's what's coming up for tonight. But there was one where it was just getting you ready. It was sort of like a primer, getting you ready for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it sounded like that's what they reviewed because a lot of the topics were in that primer.
3: And what ESPN has been doing with us has been all part of that. The Mm -hmm. changeover two years ago has been phenomenal. Uh, And what's interesting is you and TNT have been scheduling more Canadian teams than we've ever had in the past because it's about the hockey nationally, not necessarily about the team, which goes to the Conor McDavid point. He's being seen more than perhaps he has in prior years. Your programming people have recognized the importance of showing great hockey more than which particular market for a national broadcast you're putting on.
1: There you go. That's important, right? Stop worrying about markets. Show players. The NBA worries about players. Yeah. It doesn't always worry about markets. You know, the uh, honestly the Knicks are on way too much, mm. but the NBA is about the players. now you can see the players while they're playing and they've been marketed more as personalities and you got, you know, you, you have guys talking a lot of trash. You can do the same thing in hockey, but yeah, his whole point about getting more Canadian teams on that's a good thing. Yes. But I'm telling you the vibe in the interview I'm I'm guessing as all three were sitting there the hosts are like, "Oh, we are putting more Canadian teams on." Yeah. Okay. Well, that's 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 news to us, but Max gets he gets so stuck on. Remember Max is also the guy who said hockey has like 40,000 fans in each market and beyond that no one cares. So to to kind of have a believable hockey conversation with him in it is a bit difficult and they were they're so stuck on whatever's going on locally in New York. And mm. New York has been a decent hockey town of late. It's got rich history.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: the Rangers, a little bit. The Islanders certainly have rich history going back to the days when we were kids. And the Devils have had a good and had a good run. Yeah. But it's not – like, that's not the center of the earth for hockey. So, yes, we understand that the Devils and the Rangers playing, that's cool. You know, the fact that the Isles are in a series against Carolina – Cool. The sport doesn't live and die
2: by what goes on in Philly and
1: Boston and New York.
2: Right. And what needed to be brought up maybe from Keyshawn was the fact that the L.A. Kings are back in the playoffs because they and then, of course, they opened up with a big win last night. The Seattle Kraken are a storyline. So um, to your point about markets, not just players. It's important for the NHL as opposed to the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL in showing just regional or whatever because they're still introducing it to their audience. And let's let's be real, it's still number four of the big four, right? It's I mean, it, it has an enclosed audience among hockey, but all sports fans, if you, you ask them to list what they want to watch in, in the top four or add in WNBA now that it's in. It's been thrust into the major pro sports spotlight. The the individual fan base is going to rank them among their own, but a sports fan is still going to put the NHL probably fourth. So it is important to put the players. It's important for both because they need to understand who the superstars are, but they also need to understand the storylines. Like tonight's game, Seattle at Colorado is an important game because it's the defending champions and Colorado's former Goaltender Philip Grubauer should probably be in net for the Kraken. The underdog has cu- has won the last four meetings, and the Kraken are play- have won their last four against Central Division foes. So, I mean, in, in our, it's a fantastic storyline all our around.
1: Port, uh, part of the world, sorry to cut you off. In our part of the world, the Rangers and Devils means almost nothing. No, it means it means, it means a little.
2: Hold on, I disagree. All right, go ahead. I disagree because I was trying to illustrate a bigger point. Okay, go. about
1: oh. regionally. <laughs> I understand it means something here because Gallant and because of Reeves.
2: No, God, Reeves isn't on the Rangers anymore. What I was going to say is, on this side of the world with the hockey, we love the we love all the storylines. On that side, they don't appreciate the Western Conference. This side, we appreciate the West and the East. I disagree.
0: Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez. Or tweet the show
1: at Coffield and Co. Timey music, not that old. I think uh, the Vast Sound crew just ID'd this as 70s music. 70s music?
2: No. No. More 80s and Prince era? Uh, yeah, 1984 when Purple Rain came out. Song at... First Avenue, Mid-Downtown Minneapolis. I believe that's when it was released, 1984. The Time, Morris Day. He's still around. Yes, it's coming here. Playing. Stratosphere. Okay. Morris Day and The Time will be at the Strat Theater on July 28th and 29th. So, if you. you, you I saw it. I'm intrigued, and I saw the ticket prices at seventy five dollars.
1: It's Vegas, baby. Yeah, well, <laughs> you got
2: you to pay. I got bottles of wine that are worth more than that. Meaning I could just go buy some wine.
1: We can, we can work on a freebie for you. You deserve it. Yeah. How was the hockey crowd yesterday for uh, Twin Peaks?
2: Lively crowd. Uh, progressively grew as the watch party uh, got toward the, uh, toward the end of our shift there, but... Always a good time at Twin Peaks. Uh, they were lively. All the games were on. Of course, it was a mixed crowd, so you were so they they actually there were people asking for NBA and NHL, but it was kind of cool. Saw some of the, the ladies. They asked about you. They asked about when you know when's the show coming back out here. I said, well, we'll see you in football season.
1: I'm glad they asked about me. I figured I left a really good impression.
2: <laughs> I won't ask you. I won't explain how they just dis- you know. I mean.
1: Yeah. Only complimentary. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple minutes ago about people and uh with the uh, big four sports right Mm. you mentioned wnba Mm -hmm. how close is it to the nhl and how do you think nhl fans would react that you brought that up that you brought wnba into the mix
2: uh well first of all i don't care how the nhl fans react to it um because it's 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 part of the national sports fabric now whether you like it or not and it doesn't matter I don't want to hear about ratings I don't care about viewership I don't care about spectators because the bigger the arena and there are some arenas that sell out they get they get uh, five figures in in there you know 10 12,000 yeah. whatever so the fact of the matter is it belongs in the conversation regardless so It belongs in a convo as a top I don't a, think I don't a think a top, it's top 4
1: as a top 10 sport but the The ratings aren't the only thing because the numbers are getting better and better on TV for the big games and for the playoffs. The uh, gate is where they need to improve, and it's also where they can eventually make a case across the board. Mm. Because it's not just what happens in Vegas and New York and Seattle. It has to happen across the league. The sport has to be better attended, and then you can make the case to the WNBA bosses and, more importantly, the NBA folks that, hey, we deserve— more money. Look at our gates. Now we're now we're competitive.
2: Well, when you have owners like Mark Davis that build first-class facilities, which we've yet to be able to see, yeah. and apparently you're not allowed to pull out a phone if you go tour it. Is that right? Yes. Um, Wait, well, you haven't seen it yet? No. No. Is it not done? It's done. Hmm. Yeah, it's done. I believe that's where Natalie Williams did her... Availability right after they drafted Brittany Davis up high, overlooking almost like as if you know picture picture the backdrop being like when you're at the top at Mendenhall, so you're overseeing the court. Right. So yeah, well,
1: there's got to be some hitch. There's got to be some legit excuse as to why you guys haven't been in there. The, well, the, the, I think the that there I'm
2: guessing. Well, media day's coming up. They're gonna wait and they'll do it there.
1: Okay, so that's an official introduction. Yeah,
2: they're going to do an official introduction, but it's done. It's complete. Everybody's moved into the place, and uh, I agree. I mean, gate sales, you know, ticket sales got to improve across the board, but, I mean, I think that expansion is coming. I think it's it's inevitable. Um, you know, it's it's something that you're going to see. I, I believe the Bay Area is going to be a, t- be a place that you're going to see a team come. I don't know where the, the 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 second one be, but we're going to get two more teams into the league.
1: Is that a bit selfish on the part of the league? A little money grabbish? Are no. all the markets solid that they have now? Or are they all drawing at least five thousand a game?
2: Paid? I don't know what the league average attendance is. Um, it'd be something that I would have to look into. But well, that's
1: a pretty low number too that I just mentioned five thousand.
2: Well, it's pretty low, but you have to look at the capacity of each arena. Some play in bigger arenas. The sparks play in crypto, and they get and they draw a crowd. Chicago draws a good crowd, you know. what I mean, so so different. There's different area. Different uh, the Seattle Storm when Sue Bird was there, when Brianna Stewart was there, playing Climate Pledge. Not sure what they're going to draw this year, but you know, remains to be seen. The fact of the matter is, yes, it belongs in the conversation. Um, we're talking about right now. We're talking about. United States, North America, if you will, as far as when I said the Big Five. Now, if you rank it among worldwide popularity, it, it's it's not going to probably be top five. I think that you're going to get NASCAR in there. I you think you're going to get soccer fans in there. You know, Soccer, obviously, is going to jump up in there. But I don't think that uh, – I think when we're talking about North America and you're talking about the popularity of the major sports – WNBA belongs in the top five conversation. Absolutely, the conversation. There are going to be some that can find that will, that will find a different league. Some may say Major League Soccer, but on the whole, it belongs in the conversation.
1: I was just looking at the WNBA arenas. It looks like only two of them are under ten thousand. Westchester County, county Center, because they got they couldn't survive in the MSG, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, Liberty, which yeah. by the way, they should. You would think they'd be bursting at the seams in that arena now with the, how loaded their team is. And the only other small arena I found, I think, is the – well, Mohegan Sun's pretty small, uh, but also – what was it? Oh, College Park Center in Arlington, Texas holds 7,000. So I think 5,000 for every team is pretty solid. I'm surprised they're looking at expansion before making sure every market is solidly drawing fans.
2: So according to Statista.com – Last year's average attendance for Seattle was 10,000. That's the, good. The lowest was the Indiana Fever. They were the worst team in the league. They averaged 1,700. That's
1: 1,700 in the Pacers, Jim.
2: I don't know if that's where they play, but I would imagine that's where they yeah. play. Okay. Maybe so, it's an
1: old listing, but uh, Gain Bridge Fieldhouse it says home teams Pacers and Fever. So okay, that's pretty low.
2: That, that's, that's tough in
1: a 17,000, 18,000 seat arena.
2: The Aces are dead middle. A little bit on the but no, it looks like they're dead. Mill fifty six hundred is their average. The three, there's four teams that are averaging in in five thousand. Uh, Connecticut, Sparks, Aces, Liberty. Two of those teams played for the WNBA title. All right. So t- the other two, look at the markets: L.A., New York. So your 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 four biggest markets: Seattle, Phoenix, Minnesota, Chicago, and the Phoenix Mercury was seventy nine hundred. That's all because of one person, your favorite player in the WNBA, yes. because Brittany Griner was not around. The Lightning Rod. Yes. Yes. Diana Taurasi. So I, I, I'm i really curious to see how Seattle holds on to its attendance without Sue Bird, without Bree Stewart. See, so you what I'm setting up there? While
1: the WNBA is making gains, mm. uh, anyone who wants to rip on the NHL, the NHL has big buildings and they draw. Yeah. And they draw for the playoffs, so it's a it, it's a different stratosphere. Which brings us back to the, this whole setup, getting res, you know real hardcore on crowds in the WNBA. There's there are financial challenges to this league, and they're finally starting to turn the corner a bit. But when Aaliyah Boston, the number one pick, is throwing out there, hey, maybe NIL will put some pressure, name names, likeness in college will put some pressure on WNBA to raise the salaries. I don't think so. Not anytime soon.
2: Nope. I don't. And think it's so.
1: it's cool that. Reese and Clark and Haley Van Lith, wherever she landed or lands, maybe they get 500 grand for the season, maybe they get more. I mean, the evaluation on Angel Reese from LSU was over a million dollars. Maybe they get more, but I don't know where the WNBA and the NBA would pull the money from.
2: Yeah, you have to, match to rem- that. you have to remember that the w- to, for the WNBA to be able to do that, they have to vote league-wide and they have to have owners that can all that's why that's why the chartered planes were were a big issue. Mark Davis is ready to pony up and and have, yeah, sure, no problem, and and put the aces. But if every team can't have equality, so that's a big deal. And I don't think that NIL deals are going to put pressure on the WNBA in any way, shape, or form. Um, The WNBA will increase salaries when it gets to it. End of story their main concern in freeing up more salary money is in expansion and opening up roster spots. If they increase salary, then they're not going to be able to expand. And then you're going to have – that was a big topic that I was chasing quotes during the Pac-12 tournament uh, last month was has NIL and the lack of roster availability spots, not to mention – the fact how hard it is to make a WNBA roster, how you know how easy is it is for you to decide to stay in stay yeah. or stay back. And uh, Chris Osborne from UCLA, she was like, I had I've had this conversation multiple times with Corey, coach at uh, UCLA, and she said, No, we've talked about this time and time again, and that's why I came back is because I could do better here in college and wait it out.
1: This is one of those stories where the headline doesn't match the quote. Uh, TMZ Sports, which they're they're pretty good. Aliyah Boston, NIL deals could lead to a bigger payday for WNBA players. The player actually quoted as saying, everything that's happening is to grow the game. I just think no matter how it goes, I just think it's all just to grow the game. She didn't didn't exactly say that, that that it was instantly going to turn into more salaries, NIL pressure from college into more salaries. Uh, around the WNBA. In time, in time. Coming back, we get to back to the NHL. We'll get a preview of the VGK series against the Jets from Golden Knights expert, host of the Pre and Post, and lots more,
0: Darren Millard. ESPN Las Vegas is hooking you up. Tune in to Cofield & Company in the press box to win a pair of tickets to see Iggy Pop live at the Pearl at the Palms, April 29th. For more info or to purchase
3: tickets, go to Ticketmaster.com. He's had an incredible season. I think everybody says he's the best hockey player on the planet, which in some quarters might make him the best athlete because of what hockey players have to do. You're listening to Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Gary Bettman on the ESPN National Morning Show. That would have been something to use as a jumping-off point for Keyshawn, Jay, and Max, who... Weren't that much into hockey aside from just talking about the Northeast markets. So why don't we do it with Darren Millard? You sent it over. Mm. You wanted to jump on this. Mm. Batman slips it in there about athleticism. Mm. Darren Connor McDavid, the best athlete in the world. Well, it's so
0: hard to evaluate. Like athlete, he, he is on blades. He's on razor blades. So that takes an, an extra level of coordination that uh, that maybe goes above sneakers or cleats uh, along along that line so there's there's that element the speed of the game it's it's faster than than any of the other sports uh, it's as physical as football uh, when you factor it all in there's a certain level of reasoning where you could say hockey players are the best all-around athletes compared to the uh, other three major sports but I don't want to be the guy that, that that ticks everybody off. I'd rather be the person that gets under your skin.
2: The problem is that when you say athlete, we have to expand it past, and as you just brought up, the other three major sports. We just had this conversation about 20 minutes ago, so you're talking NFL, NBA, and MLB. The problem is, is there are pro athletes that get in a ring and fight for twelve rounds. And years ago, when we were all young, they went fifteen rounds. There are wrestlers that put their body through tremendous trauma just for three, uh, three rounds. So there, there are a lot of different aspects when they to throw that word athlete. Um, and I get it; he's promo. He's he's obviously hyping up his sport. He loves his sport. He's you know, the best commercial for his sport no matter where he speaks. And Bettman said, you know, so I think I think Connor McDavid finally has surpassed in the last, what, two years, uh, Darren, surpassed Sid Crosby as the, as the greatest hockey player on the planet. Um, I just don't know if it's fair, as you said. It's not fair to say he's not, but it's also not fair to say he is because that phrase athlete really encompasses so many different sports.
0: Okay, I'll take it another step further, and uh, and Cofield didn't bite at all about me poking the bear. No. Uh, he just like stepped back and, and let us slide into the oblivion. Don't think I didn't notice that. Uh, let's select the best player from the four major sports. Put them up there. You you guys g- give me the best player in basketball right now. Be honest. Kay. Okay. Okay. Uh, J- who's the best player? In football, the best football player in the national football. Giannis and in the-
2: basketball, Pat Mahomes in football. Okay. I would imagine Mike Trout in baseball.
0: All right. And then Connor McDavid. Okay, there, but you're there, still – They're your best player from, from all four major, major sports. Major. Okay. Who's the best athlete? Like that – that, I, that I, and I'm going major, major sports because you go down a slippery slope when you start including talking to wrestling or curling, or something along that line. They're athletes.
2: Uh, They're, but, those are but, Olympic sports.
0: But but if the four major sports, the best athlete, I have trouble picking between those four that we just threw out because they've all got uh, some, some pretty good accolades uh, on their way and their athletic ability. And, and But one thing that does jump out is mm-hmm. they are fast thinkers. Like, they, they can react and get things done in a split second, so whether it's uh, football uh, sense in the field, hockey sense that we talk about uh, all the time, quarterback making good, uh, quick plays, uh, the, the athletic part of it is great. But, boy, they, they have that commonality between them that where, where their minds go a million miles an hour and can adjust.
2: If you're going on the four major sports, I'm going to give it to you on the one only one thing that you said. Because you could, you there are so many different aspects of fast-paced game basketball and hockey. Right, uh, getting yeah. hit while you're trying to play football and hockey. The one thing that stands out is they're moving on a blade that's about a quarter inch yeah. thick, and that so yeah. so to me, yes, I would say you'd have to put Connor McDavid above everybody, at, especially with the speed that this dude, you know, perf- has perfected his craft at. I mean, he he's an artist. Let's just and, let's just call it what it is. But again, I'm not using the word athlete. If you're going to use a disclaimer for major sports, fine. But outside of that, yeah. you cannot disrespect the word athlete by just negating all other athletes. First and foremost, one of the greatest athletes we, we we've seen in our time, Serena Williams. Okay, I want to see Conor McDavid on a tennis court. You see what I'm saying? Not saying yeah, Serena, you same thing Serena on blades. I'm just saying you can't just throw the word athlete out there, and, and you got to put the disclaimer. I guess for major sports.
0: Boy, you're pissy today, aren't you?
2: You know what's
1: funny about this? It's his topic. Yeah. Like he was all fired up to talk about this. I'm talking uh, about. I, it. I, I actually. I, I'm I, saying he's not. It's, this is why. You can't say it. This is why I want to bring back the TV show, The Superstars. Because you, you put everyone together at the of the Network Star. Of the network stars. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Outstanding. Google yeah. it, kids. It was, it was awesome. Uh, can I just uh, offer one more? If you're going to talk to four major sports, which I, I do limit it to, uh, because uh, otherwise it just gets too crazy, and, and you'll never actually have an answer to that question. It, it'll be impossible because you open up Olympic sports and, and various other uh, fringe sports the, which with great athletes. The, the sport of the four big ones where the best player in the world has the least amount of impact is hockey. That is, there's no contest there in football, it's quarterback basketball, that runs everything. Baseball, uh, you can, you can look at Otani, like what he can do. Uh, and, and his influence on, on a game, the other night he pitched two innings and then he, he was like, uh, had two hits as a designated hitter. Uh, in hockey, the best player in the world has the least amount of impact, uh, and a longer bench uh, a lot of times serves you uh, better than than Connor McDavid. Connor Bedard just went out in the first round. He's the best junior hockey player in the world. He's going to be a slam dunk for the first overall pick. Uh, he he couldn't win a seven game series by himself.
1: Tom Millard, AT and Sports Net covers uh, VGK all year long we'll get to the jet series here in a second uh, one reaction from last night uh, were you surprised with the kings
0: no they they have an ability to disrupt edmonton they did it last year in the playoffs uh, over the last year uh, counting last year's seven game series edmonton has one more win than than la head to head including this year's uh, matchup uh, they they can stick right with them they play that funky clunky 131 defensive zone uh, system uh, in the neutral zone and it causes big disruptions uh to the to the oilers and, and Connor mcdavid uh, in, in particular so uh I, i'm not surprised by that uh it was interesting how they went about it that they were able to erase two nothing third period deficit and, and come back but uh, i expected that series to be uh highly contested and it wouldn't shock me uh, that the LA Kings uh, uh, w- would beat them. I, I think they're the they're the Kryptonite, the the one Kryptonite the piece of Kryptonite that the that the Edmonton Oilers have trouble with. 100 percent
1: Knights went three and zero against the Jets. Aiden Hill was in yeah. goal for all three games.
0: Yeah, and uh, and Connor Hellebuck was in goal for two of the losses uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you remember David Riddick was uh, was in goal here at the Fortress, uh, and he got lit up in the first period. And it was. Completely one-sided, uh, but uh, but the Hellebuck was great for one game and then was average in, in his loss. Um, uh, but it was so long ago; like they they finished up in December, and that was that was before Mark Stone went out. That was before the uh, the Golden Knights at their flat spot and then uh, regrouped after the NHL uh, All-Star Game. So I'm not sure how much you can really put into that. Barbashev wasn't here. Uh, uh, there, there's just there's so much water that's, uh, that's gone uh, under the bridge since then that uh, it's difficult to uh, really put it into any influence or contextualize.
2: Speaking with Darren Millard, AT&T Sportsnet with the Golden Knights. So, uh, Darren, the Golden Knights closed the season in quite some fashion. Different guys stepping up. They're proving that they can win. Too soon to rush Mark Stone back if they don't necessarily if they've proven that they don't need him. Not say so they could use him and he's a boost, but if they don't need him right now, should they continue to hold out or is this a smart move?
0: No, I think it's it's the best time to put him in if you don't need him. Think think about it if if you waited until say you were down a game in the series uh, later in the series three two or something uh, to that effect or two one, then you put a lot of pressure on a guy coming in who hasn't played in three months and change uh if you if you're playing well and uh, everything's going great then he can be part of the rest of the group and and work his way back into form uh i would have no doubt that uh uh when it comes to being responsible defensively and, and knowing the game and seeing the game and passing the puck uh that's going to be uh just perfect. He's done a ton of work with Misha Donskov uh, in, in the rehab process. Uh, it'll take himself some ton, ton of time to get into game shape. I, I think he's going to hit a lull, uh, quite honestly. A game four, game five, if it should go that long, uh, because momentum and enthusiasm is going to carry him through the first two here. The whiteout in Winnipeg, his hometown, he's going to be jacked. Uh, he'll probably hit a bit of flat spot later in the series, but uh, I, I think it's the perfect time, given that they've got so much depth and and uh, it's it's spread around right now. Uh, I think it's 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 perfect.
2: You weren't here for the Stanley Cup run, but I know that you obviously you were doing stuff in Canada. You followed the team. You knew the league. Is this the best Golden Knights team in six
0: years? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. The the one a couple of years ago uh, during the course of the, uh, the the COVID season, where they went neck and neck with the Colorado Avalanche and tied for the best record uh, in that division in the President's Trophy. That was a pretty deep, talented team. Uh, this one is the most balanced. This one has the best defense, uh, arguably, in the National Hockey League, and I'll put that uh, against any of the other five versions of the Vegas Golden Knights. And when you talk about uh, how uh, the goal scoring is spread around uh, on this team uh, and how many goals they scored as a club this year without a power play that, uh, that ever really, outside of December, got going, uh, I think it's, uh, it's the deepest club. Uh, they they do go four lines and they count on four lines to uh, to score. So uh, I'll, I'll go with you on that talent wise. Best team? Uh, that's going to be debate. I know they got the most points, tied for the most wins, but that one a couple of years ago was pretty dynamic.
1: Darren Millards with us. We're getting ready for the Jets in town against VGK. Uh, odds tonight: minus one sixty to win the series, minus one sixty five to win the West. The Knights are 5-1. to one. Uh, we got about a minute left. I listened to a good portion of your Chirp podcast with Ray Ferraro, and I thought what you guys oh. were talking about with Eichel was very interesting. I heard the word lackadaisical brought up, slow things down, and that he's going to learn things are different in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, well, Ray said that uh, it's going to go a million miles an hour uh, at first uh, for Jack, and then if he does try and slow it down, somebody's going to be on a six and just, uh, just flatten the into the board. So, uh, it's going to be the, the first 15 minutes, uh, First, go, go to the first four shifts. I think that'll be a learning uh, process for, for Jack. But uh, I've done some non-scientific uh, evaluations. When he's been on national television this year, he, he like owns the game. And knowing that all the people are watching this game and his debut, I expect some pretty big things out of, out of Jack Eichel. But that, that conversation with Ray Ferraro was really interesting from a guy, 400 goals, uh, and uh, the national hockey League who's been through those situations.
1: You seem very pleased that I listen to the podcast. I'm sure tens I am. thousands of
0: people listen. The two dorks that I work with, they won't <laughs> listen at all. Even though I'm like, this is this is this is hand fed to you information that yeah. you can use as your own, and they don't <laughs> want to go down that path at all. So I'm, I'm very proud of you
1: you're if talking you Willie on board that'd be great you're talking radio dorks or tv dorks i'm assuming radio dorks
0: radio dorks Okay.
1: yeah i yeah. uh i uh i thought it would the the nature of the conversation was so casual you just felt like you were sitting with two buddies who really love hockey and just getting a chance to listen in so it was really good really good
0: well thank you well let, let's do it uh our our, our uh, on our own like uh, you and i as two buddies and, and Willie, let's let's get in there Willie, <laughs> big hug big hug coming your way tonight in the press box
1: i'll see you there buddy
0: Wow. See you, buddy.
1: Icy close. Or was that, I dunno, was that sarcastic? At Icy Beginning, Icy Close. Good stuff every week with Darren Millard. Make sure <laughs> Make sure you check out the chirp. It was really good. Great podcast.